from Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Tens of thousands of athletes and officials are about to descend on Tokyo as the city prepares to host the 32nd Olympic Games. But with COVID-19 cases surging in Japan, health experts and the majority of the Japanese public are opposed to the event being held at all. So why are the Olympic Games going ahead? Today, sports writer Kieran Pender on the institution and the vested interests behind this pandemic Olympics. Kieran, the Olympics were actually supposed to be held last year in 2020, but they were postponed as a result of the pandemic. I was wondering, can you take me back and tell me about the decision to actually award Tokyo the Games and and the sorts of preparations that were going on in Japan in the lead up to what was supposed to be the 2020 event? Tokyo has a long uh, and not always fantastic history uh, with the Olympics. They bid and were successful for the 1940 Games, but then obviously the, the Second World War broke out and they lost the Games. They then bid and were unsuccessful in 1960 and then ultimately hosted the 1964 Games. They were then back at it when uh, for 2016 uh, when Rio hosted it and lost that bid and had another go for 2020. The International Olympic Committee has the honour of announcing that the Games of the 32nd Olympiad in 2020 are awarded to the city of... And they won that in 2013. Tokyo! Uh, And it was sort of pitched as a rebuild from the 2011 tsunami and earthquake that devastated parts of Japan, so it had a sort of feel-good rebuilding story. Congratulations, Tokyo! The world will be looking at you seven years from now. Japan was really looking forward to these games. All of the preparations were well underway. And then, you know, across the sea, uh, COVID began to spread, soon spread all around the world, uh, and suddenly the games were in doubt. As the pandemic worsened, the International Olympic Committee and the Japanese government were insistent that the games were going to go ahead. Uh, And it took, really, the withdrawal of Canada and Australia in mid-March last year to force their hand. So a number of big countries began to withdraw and said it's just not possible that these games are going to go ahead by July of 2020. And then within 24 hours, it had decided, in, in conjunction with the Japanese government, to postpone the Games. The 2020 Summer Olympic Games that were scheduled to open in Tokyo on July the 24th have now been postponed. That's due to the COVID... That was a huge decision. Uh, the Olympics have, have never been cancelled uh, in, in the modern Games um, since they began at the, the turn of last century, other than for world wars. And yet, Suddenly the games were off, and of course entirely understandably given the circumstances. But they made the fortuitous or, or you know, perhaps troubling decision to, to postpone only by a year. You know, at the time it wasn't entirely clear how the pandemic would pan out and they were hopeful that within a year things would be back on track. But that has meant for the last year, year and a half, we've just had this, this countdown on to the first COVID Games. And so that year is almost up now and the Olympics that were supposed to be held in 2020, they're scheduled to be held next month in Tokyo, but the pandemic itself is far from over, particularly in Japan. So how is it all looking at the moment? 
Japan has done relatively well in terms of managing COVID-19 compared to the rest of the world. You know, Japan's had about three quarters of a million cases and about 15,000 deaths, which for a population of 126 million, you know, compares very favourably to the rest of the world. Um, By and large, they've managed to close down their borders and maintain spread. And, And that's even been with with minimal lockdowns. But in recent months, as as Tokyo 2021 uh, approaches, we've seen a new wave of cases uh, in in Tokyo and in Japan more generally. Growing concerns in Japan that coronavirus variants could be driving a new fourth wave in the country. The variants appear to be more infectious. Officials... They've been in a new state of emergency at the peak of this latest wave. We've had about a 1,000 COVID cases a day in Tokyo. Very clear that infection rates, they are still growing here in Tokyo. And so really the government has no other option given that we're so close to the Olympics. Uh, And And that's uh, as a result of the state of emergency dropped down now to about three or 400 cases a day in Tokyo. And it's sort of heading downwards but we have the Olympics beginning in four weeks' time. Prime Minister Yoshihira Suga insists that the Games will go ahead in Tokyo as scheduled. And so, you know, we're still going to have COVID-19 circulating in the community in Tokyo just as, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of athletes arrive. Uh, we've got 11,000 Olympians due to arrive in the coming weeks. We've got about 60,000 uh, others, you know, media, you know, IOC and National Olympic Committee, you know, officials, coaches, staff, etc., all descending from literally every corner of the world on Tokyo uh, and in some cases bringing with them COVID-19. Mm. And so what are we hearing then from public health experts about whether the Olympics should be held in an environment like this? The Japanese public and Japanese medical experts do not want the Games to go ahead. <laughs> These people marching through the streets of Tokyo are not celebrating the coming Olympics, but demanding it be stopped. I think that's fairly um, emphatic from most people in Japan. Opinion polling, which has been conducted fairly regularly, continues to show less and less support for the Games happening. Now it's up to 83%. So four in five Japanese people don't want the Games to happen. That's been echoed by medical uh, advice. And yet onwards we head. And and as I said, in four weeks' time, we're all heading to Tokyo. Mm. So that opposition then that we're seeing from people in Japan, is it likely to have any impact at all on on the Games going ahead or is this a done deal at this point? I think the pandemic has showed that we should never say never, but uh, certainly with four weeks to go, it it seems very, very likely that the Games will go ahead. I think it's unimaginable at this point that they'll be cancelled, although, again, you know, never say never. But one of the the main issues for the local organising committee and the Japanese government is they just don't really have any choice. The the host city contract gives all of the power to the International Olympic Committee and none of the power to the Japanese government. So if Japan or the Tokyo government were to unilaterally cancel the Games, they would be facing a a lawsuit from the IOC, you know, to the tune of five or six billion dollars. And I think that, you know, really points larger questions to the ongoing sort of status of the Olympics and the fact that we've got this unaccountable uh, sporting organisation in Switzerland, you know, having this influence over elected sovereign governments. We'll be back after this. 
As a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Kieran, you've said that the International Olympic Committee is ultimately the body who decides whether the Olympics will go ahead or not. Can you tell me a bit more about who actually makes up the IOC? The IOC is a, a nominally a non-profit organisation based in Switzerland, uh, consisting of all of the national Olympic committees around the world. But over the years, it's it's really morphed from a you know a feel-good sporting organisation to a, a multi-billion-dollar media behemoth. About three quarters of IOC revenue comes from uh, TV rights. You know, the the latest TV deal between the IOC and NBC, which is a broadcaster in the US, was about 10 or 11 billion Australian dollars um, for about a 12-year period. So we're talking huge amounts of money. Now, most of that is then in turn distributed to national Olympic committees and, and you know, run on various projects. But it just, it, it has this cycle that the games have to go ahead because the, the hole that would be punched in the IOC's bank balance would be astronomical. You know, it would be multi-billion dollars in the hole if, if they had to cancel, which is why the IOC has taken this attitude of really Tokyo or bust. Uh, a senior IOC official, Dick Pound, said the games are going ahead unless there's Armageddon. And and to be honest, given the IOC's attitude, I think even if there was Armageddon, uh, the IOC would still be pushing for the games to go ahead. Um, So really, the IOC just want this sort of made-for-TV spectacle because that's what, you know, they need to break even in light of those TV deals. But the Japanese government and Japanese public are just increasingly concerned about what that will mean for everyone. Mm. And how are athletes themselves feeling about this then? Are, Are you getting a sense that there are many who feel like this is too risky? In recent weeks, we've begun to see athletes arrive in Japan. Uh, The first Australian athletes left a few weeks ago. Uh, We saw the first COVID-positive athlete arrive uh, over the weekend. A Ugandan team uh, arrived and and one of their athletes tested positive uh, and, and, you know, that athlete is now in in quarantine. There's been some pushback from athletes, uh, particularly the IOC requires athletes to sign a waiver where they waive any legal rights to take action against the IOC. Uh, Included in that waiver was risk of death from COVID-19. So if an athlete goes to Japan and contracts COVID and, you know, terribly and, and, you know, suffers poorly and, and ultimately, you know, suffers health damage as a result, they won't be able to sue the IOC or the Japanese government. Um, that, that elicited some pushback. And I know, for example, representative bodies for athletes have expressed concern about how really this is all being done for the IOC's benefit and for the benefit of TV companies. Um, but most athletes I've spoken to are really excited. You know, these athletes have spent 
all their life heading for this moment. And so notwithstanding everything that's in the way, notwithstanding all of these rules and restrictions, they want the games to go ahead. But it will look like a very different game. So, you know, one athlete said to me when he arrives, he's just going to stay in his room until his, until his race because he just can't risk getting COVID he can't risk being a close contact of someone because there's a risk he, he wouldn't even be able to compete in this race he spent four years preparing for. Um, and, you know, that's not the image, the mental image of an Olympics that are you know, in all of our heads and particularly in the minds of the athletes. Uh, but I suppose that's what's going to have to happen if we want an Olympics to occur in, in the pandemic era. Okay, so the Olympics this year are going to look quite different to how they usually do. And we have all of these athletes who are going and have spent a lot of time preparing for this moment. At the same time, we also have the vast majority of the Japanese population who, as you've said, are opposed to these games going ahead. And the countdown is on. We're weeks away now from the game's beginning. So given all of that, I'm just wondering where you land on whether these games should be going ahead at this moment in time. The IOC and the Japanese government are banking on this being a success and all of us collectively forgetting all of this drama in the lead up to it. And I think there's some chance that will happen. And and if this goes off smoothly with minimal COVID cases, minimal larger spread in Tokyo, Uh, we will remember the fact that the Japanese government and the IOC were able to put on the largest international sporting event of the pandemic. Uh, And that will be historic. That will be something we remember in decades to to come. But I do think there's something deeply troubling about an international sporting event going ahead without the support of the local population. And the fact that there's so much resistance to the Games happening in a democratic country you know, the, the cost involved in this, and the Japanese government has spent about $33 billion Australian dollars hosting the Games. Uh, an Oxford study put that at about 200% overspend, the most expensive Games ever. The postponement alone has cost about $4 billion Australian dollars. And that cost is being almost exclusively borne by the Japanese taxpayers. And if they're saying now they don't want the Games to happen... You know, who are the IOC to, to push on regardless? I, you know, I think that sets a very dangerous precedent. I suspect that uh, host countries in the future will be pushing for clauses in host city contracts that give them greater control. But I do fear that if these games are successful, this will all be forgotten about and, and we'll push on. That said, you know, I, I really hope they are a success. I, I know a lot of athletes who their life into their sport and they want these games to happen and they want to go there and have the chance to win gold and you know if the games don't happen it would be heartbreaking for them but I do think it raises broader questions about the role of international sport the role of international unaccountable sporting organizations and their influence over sovereign governments all of which is pretty pertinent for Australia because we're almost certain to get the 2032 Olympic Games. Kieran, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week 
simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today, New South Wales recorded 10 new cases of COVID-19 in the community yesterday, bringing Sydney's Bondi cluster to 21 cases. Nine of New South Wales' 10 new cases are linked to existing cases. The New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian says that mandatory mask wearing indoors and on public transport will be extended for another week. And a new report from the Victorian anti-corruption body has found the state's prison system is facing serious systemic corruption issues. IBAC's special report on corrections also found that staff in Victoria's prisons used excessive force and inappropriate strip-searching practices. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.